Hello and welcome to YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. This is episode 70. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Christina Suzuma, and with me is our wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Good day to you, Dr. Woolman. A great day to you, Christina. <laughs> We've started it bouncing away. So. <laughs> we have a really special guest today, don't we? We do. It's it's us. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say me, myself, and I. Uh, it's you, us, it's we. It's we. And we, we it be. is us. <laughs> we, it is us. Yes, we're going again inside the doctor's bag, everybody. Welcome and Greetings, I'm Dr. Glenn Wallman. I'll be your host along with Christina as we travel through another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy searching for optimal health. <clears throat> and today, inside the doctor's bag, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, and that's life balance. And we'll look at some of the categories, and we're going to take a, a different view of it today. Uh, that we've talked about in the past. But before we do that, Christina, uh, let's see if anybody listening in, any of our viewers have any comments or ideas or suggestions or questions. Uh, how would they get in touch with us? Thank you. Um, at any time during this live presentation, you can feel free to ask a question or make a comment just by scrolling down on your screen and typing it into the comment box. Remember to click submit and it'll show up on my screen and I will share that with Dr. Woolman. Or if you prefer, you are very, very welcome to dial into our conference line. Then the number is 323-476-3997. The ID is 607-393-POUND. And if that went by a little too fast for you, not to worry. It's going to show up on the screen during the show. And again, we look forward to your suggestions and comments and questions all during the show. So join us. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yes, uh, we like it when people call in and send in replies or suggestions, any of those things. It's always good. It stimulates us and gives us ideas for other shows. <laughs> so today, uh, one of the things I do as a medical guide is to help people with life balance. And that life balance, for me, has six categories in it. And I was thinking uh, the other day, I was preparing for my talk here today, uh, I went back to one of our previous shows with Dr. Mikio Sanke, uh, where he, he talked about... Um, you know, esoteric acupuncture. And he talked about uh, spatial geometry and he used the term six surrounding one. Mm. And it's interesting for me that I have six categories and they're all surrounding the one concept of optimal health. Those categories uh, I've mentioned at various times during this show, but just to mention them again as we go through them are so important for our life. I looked at this uh, throughout my career in emergency medicine and integrative medicine and as a medical guide. And it's clear to me that these six categories need to be addressed by everybody at all times in their life in order to be in optimal health, in the best health they can, or in a place when uh, they may get hurt or ill and they have to come back to optimal health having these categories in place in your life as a lifestyle is very important. And we'll go through that today uh, to stress the importance of that. Mm. One of the things that I realized for people is that 
uh, a lot of us have to go from intellect to consciousness. Uh, intellectually, I mean, people may have an understanding, oh, yes, I need to eat right, or yes, I need to exercise. That's the intellectual part of the process. Or I need to avoid this particular um, food or habit or pattern of behavior. But they don't actually do it. They're aware of it, but they don't do it. And when they do it, it's that's when it comes into consciousness. And that's what that's what this is all about, trying to figure ways to bring all of these ideas of the six aspects, which include nutrition, exercise, stress management, sleep management, spirituality, and patterns of behavior. And as we go through these, it's important to figure ways to take them from intellect where, oh, yes, I know I, I should be working out, but I'm not, to consciousness of, oh, I love exercising or I love eating uh, this way. And today, as we do this, I want everybody to be thinking in terms of body, mind, and spirit. So each category has areas that are beneficial to the body, beneficial to the mind, and beneficial to the spirit. And when the three of those are balanced and in harmony, that's when it becomes easier in consciousness and you get much better effects. Now, in this show, most of the time uh, with our guests, we're looking at Western views and science of, of different aspects. For instance, with Andrew Binder, we did the science of sleep. And with Tracy Harrison, we're doing the science of nutrition. And with most of our guests, we're doing uh, the science and Western aspects of these concepts. But today, I want to look from an Eastern point of view because many people learn things from different ways. And sometimes the science scientist uh, aspect is what draws people in. Sometimes it's a, it's a philosophical aspect, just like mm -hmm. people learn sometimes better from visual or auditory or doing. So that's uh, where we're going today, Christina. Mm, I'm excited. Yeah, and I like I think, this. It's overall wellness. Yeah, you know, it is overall wellness. And <clears throat> I tried to look at each of the aspects and say, well, we could just talk about one. But it's so important that they're all brought together. And the way that I picture that is imagine yourself if you didn't get a good night's sleep. You wake up late, you don't have a good breakfast, you run and have a quick snack of, of some fast food. You get to work, you're falling asleep, you're not energized. Uh, again, you eat something, it's lunchtime, you're passing out, you have a quick fast food. Uh, you want to go to the gym, but now you just are overwhelmed with your work. You're stressed out because you haven't finished the program you have to do. You're still not eating well. You didn't get to the gym and now it's time to go to bed and go to sleep again. You're not going to sleep well and the process continues. So as you go through each of these, you can look for your own connections. And I would also, Christina, I know that you also do Trinity of Life. So you speak with a number of people in many aspects of life that are always interested in health and healing. So uh, as we go through these, I would love to have some of your little thoughts and tips on on each of these aspects. Is that, that all right with that, you? That sounds good. If they start creeping in, and as we begin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they will. I can't imagine they won't. So um, in, in no special order, let's start with uh, nutrition. Mm -hmm. Now, we've spent many days 
uh, talking with uh, Tracy Harrison about nutrition. There's so many aspects to that. <clears throat> but I'm looking today for some simple hints for people that uh, might help them to uh, be more nutrition conscious. And so I look here, as I said, we're going to the uh, east today. I, I look at the way the Japanese eat. And if you think about it, they, they put things in small proportions, and they usually put things on different little plates. And one, one of the things this do is it's pleasing to the eye. It's less proportions. Uh, it makes you, as you go, instead of everything being in one plate, you have to travel through your eye and your mind a little bit to go from one plate to the other. And that's kind of a little adventure, and it's very pleasing to the eye. Uh, and it also slows you down a little bit, and you become more mindful of eating. So I would recommend, uh, as uh, part of the hint, to put things in little plates instead of always putting them on one big plate, uh, like we do so many times in uh, this country, the United States. Um, and we also use very large proportions. The second part of that is to uh, consider every once in a while eating with chopsticks. And, <laughs> and the reason I say this... The reason I say this is in America, of course, we could argue and say it's much more efficient to have a fork uh, or a spoon. And the way we think, of course, is, you know, you pierce that piece of flesh or that vegetable. And once it's pierced by the fork, you almost don't have to think about it anymore. You can put your mind back on the television, which you're watching or in the discussion that you're having or something else. You don't even have to watch the food going in. You're so confident that it goes in uh, because it's been pierced. Um, <laughs> or you have a giant spoonful of something. But with chopsticks, it actually causes you to have to be a little more mindful. You take smaller proportions and you are kind of looking at the food at the same time and watching it go in. It's a very mindful way of eating, and which causes you to slow down also. And those are some of the keys that I think I would like to suggest in the area of nutrition. <laughs> Except if you're Cantonese and you're raised Cantonese. That's why I brought it up with Japanese. <laughs> Where you pick up the bowl and you I'm take the chopsticks and you're actually shoveling, shoveling. it into your mouth. I know. And, and that's why I didn't say Chinese or Asian or anything like that. I was very, very specific in saying Japanese where, uh, you know, it's the little plates and everything like that. And but even little. still, the shoveling in, uh, it's still not quite the same because you're totally involved with it at that point. And if you do have the bowl in front of your face, you're not watching the television. You're, you're looking right at that rice or that Buddha feast or whatever you're eating there. I have if, to if you're if you're Asian, then you're supposed to take two spoons back to back, and then <laughs> the same struggle that the Westernized person has. <laughs> It'd be interesting. So, so uh, what are your thoughts on that? Aside from what you've just said, <laughs> <laughs> as I picture that, I think that's a that's a, 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 a great suggestion, um, Glenn. Of course, it's harder to eat steak and bigger pieces of meat like that, which I would pre-cut it anyways and and lay it out, which a lot of Asians do as well. You know, even though if they want to eat steak, they slice it in into the pieces first, and then they have it on a nice platter. Um, you know, having the little dishes are great, and I, I think if you have a big family, it's a little harder. Also, if you don't have a dishwasher, it's a lot harder. I was going to say, yes, yes. But I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> 
But you know what is fun too is uh, very much too like the the Indian style of eating, which is everything is on a very big platter and laid out in little little mounds. Little mounds, and that's that's I, I always find anything that involves. Um, you know, the Japanese have a beautiful presentation, so it makes everything taste. And, you know, they put so much love and, and effort into the food. And, of course, that goes into the food itself. And <clears throat> I find anytime you're able to display it or or have a presentation that, that you want to get involved with and and as you're eating, it's and I think it's, as you say, it's not so much about shoveling the food or taking these big chunks of food in your mouth and chewing away at it but it's really um being gr- grateful for what we have in front of us and and enjoying the flavors enjoying the morsels of food and i think that that's really and textures wow textures are amazing too yeah. and, and i think if we take all those little things into consideration we can eat we tend to eat a lot slower and enjoy it and more mindful Yes. A lot of people are coming out with books and articles and blogs and everything on mindful eating. Of course, mindful everything, but mindful eating. And in a way, this this uh, adds to that. So I really like that. And and when you, again, combine it into body, mind, and spirit, certainly if you're eating uh, healthy foods and eating slowly in smaller proportions, that's certainly good for your body. When you're uh, in the process of going, looking at from one little plate to another and enjoying the presentation, uh, that has a mind uh, relaxation process to it. And then the spirituality of connecting uh, the food with how it's prepared and grown out in the universe and how it gets to us and what it does for us on a spiritual level, it combines all of those. So I think that's the that's the key here again to look at nutrition. Of course, there's many things to do, and we're covering just little portions today, <laughs> like the little portions of food. <laughs> like the little portions of food, yeah, exactly. So, <clears throat> uh, unless you want to stay on nutrition for a little while, we can move to another aspect. Mm, let's see what. Yeah, why don't we move? We can also come back. Yeah, that's true. There's, we can there's six topics, so it's like, uh, that's quite a lot. <laughs> that's true, and I, I think you're right. So the next is exercise, and they're not necessarily in any order. What is it about exercise? We know we should do it. What the scientists haven't proven beyond a shadow of a doubt is how much, how often, what intensity, the frequency, a number of these other things. We all know uh, that we should exercise. So some people say at least 20 minutes a day. Some people say an hour a day. There, there are many different theories on this. And there are also the processes within the exercise program. We should certainly have flexibility in, included in our exercise. We should, we should have strength and resistance training. We should have cardiovascular training, range of motion, um, number of other categories like that that need to be uh, incorporated into exercise. And what I would like to suggest today is that this one also, like the rest, need to, needs to be put into a process of consciousness and mindset because we're we're always looking for optimal health. And some of us are very healthy. Some of us are not so healthy. But most of us are probably going to get injured or ill at some point. 
And imagine if you get injured and you break an arm or you have a, a bad accident and you break multiple parts and you have to go through a healing process and a physical therapy process in hopes of getting back to normal um, or at least the best you can be, your optimal health at the point uh, that you have now come to within the injury itself and, and its limitations. But a person that has the consciousness of exercising and enjoying exercise for all the different reasons, that person, when they get injured, can't wait to get back to exercise. And physical therapy to them is it's a blessing. They could finally get out of bed <laughs> and get the cast off and do something. And it gives them the process of saying, I'm on my way back to working out. And they can even consider that as, as exercise. The person that doesn't have exercise as part of their program, having to go to physical therapy becomes a chore or it becomes a, uh, an obstacle. It's not something they want to do. It's painful. It hurts. Uh, it it uh, it takes energy from them at a time when they'd rather be lying in bed or they're medicated, number of other things. So the person that already has the mindset of exercise is way ahead in the game. And that's why I think that's another pattern that we need to look at. We need to exercise. And I really suggest that within the exercise program that you have many types of exercises. You should have uh, as I said before, resistance training and endurance training, cardiovascular strengthening, stretching, etc. cetera. Uh, but I would not say you should be a person that only goes to a gym or only uh, jogs or only kayaks. Um, you should have multiple types of exercises that you could do in multiple places and in multiple different types of weather. So that's a, an important point. But I think some of the little uh, tips that I would say for today is if you have a desk where you work a lot or where you answer a phone or someplace where you sit and watch television or read, put uh, some exercise equipment around that area. And usually simple things like hand exercises, a hand grip or the uh, Chinese medicine balls that have that beautiful musical sound as you move them through your hands. Um, these are things that while you're on a phone, you could easily get a hand grip and you're talking to someone and you could, you could be exercising. And certainly the people in, uh, in some fields like acupuncture or acupressure or Ayurvedic, where they talk about different meridians or channels moving through the hands or different parts of of the body and representing different organs. When you uh, use these exercises, you're stimulating possibilities. So I, I say this controls again, where you start thinking about body, mind, and spirit in your program of exercise. So something around your desk that you could do easily and at any time. The other area that I would talk about is again, moving eastward. I think that everyone should include in their exercise program something that uses the body, mind, and spirit and breathing. Something, for example, like Tai Chi or Qigong or uh, Cytomind, which we'll talk about at some point. Uh, something yoga, of course, is another one, but something that includes movement in the body with the breath and with using your mind as part of the process. And many of these can be related to energy and healing. So an exercise program 
that's designed for healing purposes and health purposes should be something that everybody should consider. And uh, I throw it to you for a moment, Christina. Yeah. Any <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it, and, you know, when, when we talk about exercise, when and people hear that, you can see how they, they t- tense up. <laughs> the ones that don't usually exercise, they sort of tense up and go, yeah, I, I know I need to do that. <laughs> you know? but, but it's, and I also, you know, start with the simplest action. And what's interesting when you said, you know, have something beside you or your desk or whatever that's reminding. I mean, I have, we have these, this great packet that one of our vendors sent us. This is WAG's uh, wrist assured gloves, um, mm. uh, Paula Wilbert. And she has this whole hand uh, program. It's, it's a hand and wrist program where, where it's all these like little squeeze balls just to get that, that, right. that, you know, just get the motion going. And it's amazing what, what starts to happen, you know, especially we're working with computers every day. So, you know, you geeks out there mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, these little bands for your fingers Exactly. To do finger exercises and and the the longer bands, you know, so that you can stretch out. You know, I don't know if you can see this. Yes, I do see it. I just got a set the other day. Just so that you can really do nice stretches behind your back and and really get, you know, get your body into it. And it's so gentle. I mean, there's you can sit there watching television doing this, everyone. I mean, just nice and easy and simple, and it keeps your arms strong. It keeps your shoulders open, you know, um, and just start with that. And I, you can I use even... those. I, my computer often freezes or it slows down or I'm waiting, you know, for something to process, and I'll just, you know, squeeze the little ball and do finger exercises, and there's a whole tutorial on it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's fabulous. And the and the Chinese medicine balls that have yes. that music with them. I have uh I have things situated all over my house. So wherever I happen to be at any moment, I could just do a, a little thing. And once you start doing that and thinking about that, it stimulates not just the body to do more things and to get out and do something else, but it stimulates again the mind and the spirit. Absolutely. Depending on how you get into it on a meditative level. Absolutely. And, and also for those of you who know, I bounce up, up and down on a bounce ball. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, that's right. You know, it's amazing how that keeps that mind, uh, that the, the hip moving, the back, the spine moving, and it really helps with balance. And you can do this watching television. It's, it's as simple as that, just as a beginning. Yeah, so, I agree. And I think, again, you know, you talked about uh, squeezing the little soft uh, balls and the and the stretching yeah. uh, instrument. Many times when we talk about people that are injured, you have a hand injury mm-hmm. or something. Uh, those are the things you have to start with because you may have no strength um, or sensation in your hand, and you don't have the ability to go back to a weight room and use a normal weight that you might be using. You may have to start with. Uh, the simplest exercises to to progress back to a normal process. So if you're already used to that, then then healing becomes just part of what you do. It it fits better into your lifestyle. And it, and this is an important thing I think for people because most of the time when people are healing, it's difficult to balance healing and life at the same time. Mm. And the sooner you get. Uh, into the concept that healing is also part of life, 
you can get back into life and it, it, they work with each other in a, in a circular pattern. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. So th- there you go with that part of uh, the program. So we've covered <laughs> nutrition and exercise. Any other thoughts on your part on these two? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the next one. (laughs) (laughs) So many of us need that next one. (laughs) That's where these eggs can come in again. (laughs) (laughs) Do you even know which one the next one is? Well, I, I would assume is stress management. Oh, you are good. You are very good. <laughs> Do you remember that they would make these for people, these these squeezies, so that people can have them at their desk for stress management? You know, I have to tell you a little story. I got a uh, birthday present of one of those squeezy things. It looked like a baseball, <laughs> but it had that that gooey material in it, uh, and uh, you could squeeze it, and it felt really fun. And it was a it was a stress thing. At one of the shows that we were doing uh, a while back, and I won't say which one, um, but there were a lot of things going on that happened to me before the show that that I had some stress uh, challenges for a moment. <laughs> so instead of usually when I'm doing the show, I have a little crystal that I rub. It's like a touchstone. Sometimes I rub that, but I decided for this one I would try this new thing, and it was feeling really good. And I, I didn't realize that at one point during the show, I was squeezing it so hard that I actually exploded it. And all of this gooey stuff started. And I didn't know because I wasn't looking at it. I felt this gooey, sticky, really sticky, almost like crazy glue coming all over my hand and my arm. Fortunately, it was, it was near the end of the show. But the... Uh, but so make sure if you're doing something with one of those, it's just foam it's a, yeah. <laughs> or rubber they, rather they than. They should hand those out at the uh, driver's ed school, you know, when you go for your license here in California, because you're stuck on the freeway and you're just like, <laughs> I know that would be great. Uh, it should be in everyone's bag. Everyone should have that and an aspirin, a baby aspirin, <laughs> a baby, aspirin. <laughs> baby aspirin for your heart and a the little squeezy balls for your... Uh, they, they actually, and that one is called an exerciser. Yeah, that's right. Exerc- yeah, that's right. Because it's shaped like an egg. But uh, he's going to recommend baby aspirin. I'm going to say a little, just a few drops of lavender oil would be just great. <laughs> well, baby aspirin is more if you're having a heart attack. The la- <laughs> and as much as I love uh, all the different herbal medicines, uh, you know, after you take the baby aspirin, the lavender would be good. <laughs> You know, when I go to a lot of the um, medical conferences, uh, a lot of the uh, drug companies and pharmaceutical companies and equipment companies all have these little gimmicks of things. So they take those squeezy things and they put them into shapes like a heart or a brain, you know, depending on if they have a heart medication, they have a little love your heart squeezy thing. So I collect all of those and I use them as exercise things. And sometimes I give them to my clients. you know, if someone I see is having problems that they need to squeeze their brain a little bit, I give them a little brain. <laughs> <laughs> so stress management. Now, stress, we, we have to know that stress is not just a word. It's chemicals that go on in the body. And these chemicals are designed to help us escape from something or have extra strength or speed. And it also protects the body uh, during a time of danger. 
And these chemicals flow through the body. And then when the stress is over, they disappear and they don't do anything else until the next stress process. If somebody is continuously stressed, then I like to uh, use the metaphor as a fire. The chemicals inside of us are like a fire. And fire can be used for beautiful, beneficial purposes. You can use it for cooking in a barbecue. You can use it sitting around a fire pit with a number of people and, uh, you know, telling stories and bonding and, and having really good times. Uh, fire is used for light sometimes, number of good things. But when fire gets out of hand and out of control, it, it wreaks havoc and it causes destruction. And it's the same thing exactly with the stress hormones. Those hormones, if they get out of control, meaning they last too long or they're too strong, uh, they, they cause problems in the body and all over the body. And whatever part of the body gets affected most, uh, that's where your uh, weaknesses come and your injuries and your illnesses come in many cases. So it's very important we all have stresses, but we have to learn how to manage them, and there are many different ways. And, of course, the first thing I would always talk about is the metaphor square breath that I teach. And we do have a website for that, and maybe, Segovia, you can put that up there uh, for people to look at, the metaphor square breath. But I want to add something new today, uh, and I may have talked about this in the past, but I want to talk about the heart smile. Uh, have I talked to you about that, Christina? No. Okay. Well, Thich Nhat Hanh uses a method uh, where he teaches people to do this. He says, as I breathe in, I relax. As I breathe out, I smile. And that's a, that's a great little meditation, and it's really good to help people in many ways. It's very simple, easy to learn, and easy to do. You can't be saying it. You have to be thinking it. But what I like to do is under a stressful situation, what we do is you relax for a moment and maybe do the metaphor square breath to calm yourself down and transition and to put things in perspective. And then start a smile on your face and have that smile, just a simple little smile. And each time you breathe in, make the smile get a little bit bigger and spread it over your entire body. So every time you breathe in, you're breathing in essentially all the smiles of everyone in the universe. And every time you breathe out, you're sending your energetic smile to the universe. So it's a sharing process here. And <clears throat> after you start to breathe in and spread the smile from your mouth to your face to all over your outer skin and outer body, Bring that smile into your heart and make it a heart smile and feel as if your heart is actually smiling. And again, each time you breathe in, make that smile and energy get bigger. You're breathing in the smiles of people and you're getting a stronger smile. And when you breathe out, that smile is emanating from all over your body into the universe. And it's very simple. So I'd, I'd actually like to do that with you once, Christina, mm. if you don't mind. Oh, yeah. I like that. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> so let's do, uh, let's do the metaphor square breath mm -hmm. for a moment, and then let's, let's go right into the heart smile, okay? Sounds great. 
Okay, so exhale for a moment and relax and breathe in. Two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four. Out. Two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four. In. Two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four. Out. Two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four. In. Two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four. Out. Two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four. One more time. In. Two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four. Out. Two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four. And now just begin to breathe in and out. And as you breathe, begin to form a smile on your face. Just a simple little smile. Uh, perfect. That's the smile we're looking for. And then expand that smile each time you breathe in to all over your face, into your senses, into your skin, everywhere. And as you breathe out, picture that going everywhere into the universe. <laughs> I love that. And then picture that going into your heart and then continuing the same process. As you breathe in, just feel your heart expanding with a smile and moving out into the universe as you breathe out. And that process, the combination of the metaphor square breath and the uh, heart smile, under stressful circumstances, if that doesn't take you out, then, it, then you need to go to your physician and start uh, talking about the possibility of some programs to help you. <laughs> Here, just so you give you be, a call. <laughs> yeah, or just give me a call. It's it's hard to it's hard to get stressed when you're smiling, you know. Mm -hmm. And especially mm -hmm. if Absolutely. your heart, especially if your heart is smiling. So that, that's it for me today in the stress management department. Clearly, mm. there are many other techniques and things that can be done, but I recommend that everyone uh, have a program that they go to into their own mind when they get stressed. And you could see where this, again, uh, combines with other things. If you're stressed and you're trying to eat, you're not eating well, you're not doing that mindful eating that we're talking about, and your digestion is bad, then you don't absorb the food, you're not getting the nutrients, you're weaker, and you can't exercise well. You can't exercise well, you don't burn off enough energy, you're gaining weight, and now you're having trouble sleeping because you weigh too much and you haven't exercised and you're still stressed. <laughs> and that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> that's only part of it. <laughs> Any thoughts on your part? What do you do for stress oh, management? I, I, I'm a big uh, believer in that breath work. I, I really am, um, especially when when things are getting really out of hand. The, the best thing, when I learned how to breathe like that, Glenn, um, whether it be through the meditation process or anything like that, it really brings everything calm. And not just myself, even kids. They, they, 
You know, I, I tell moms when the baby gets get out of hand, put the baby against their chest and take a nice breath in and just, you know, do a long ohm. And when the baby feels that vibration and that breath coming up, believe me, it de-stresses both of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Yes. And if, if you think about the hypothetical situation where if everyone on the planet at the same time did the breath work and then the heart smile, uh, what kind of a planet we would be portraying at that point? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If, if people would just connect to that so simply. So simple. Yeah, it's very simple. So you want to move on to our next? Or Let's do, we, do, that. do we still uh, need to talk about uh, stress anymore? Well, you know, I, it, you know, the, the, oh, here's your, uh, woman metaphor square breath for there those of you who, um, uh, are listening, uh, we would, um, you can either go to Dr. Glenn Woman's site, um, glennwoman.com where you can also see this. Uh, but, uh, for those of you who are watching it, this is a very, very simple. And then you can also increase those numbers, the counts to, you know, five, six, seven. I do it all the way to 10 when I do it. So it's really wonderful. <laughs> when I, when I teach it to people, I, I start out and I say four seconds because it's a mm-hmm. metaphor. Right. So I try to keep the four concepts so that people can remember that. And what I start to tell them to do after they start getting it and understanding it, especially the parts where you're holding the breath, either in the inhale or the exhale, which sometimes are the tougher uh, portions of the of the square. I then say, keep it at a count of four, but don't make it four seconds. So your 10 count could still be a count of four, but it could last for 10 seconds or, <laughs> or even more. That way they... Exactly. Exactly. And you know, when... When I f- see that people get to the point where they are actually able to do it for the 10 seconds, mm-hmm. at that point, um, sometimes the moment you start, you know, before you're even at the three count, your mind and your body oh. and your spirit are already setting in. Yep. Don't yeah, you find absolutely. that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and when you first started, I, I also noticed, and some people have said, is that they feel like really lightheaded. You know, mm-hmm. after like two rounds of that, they feel a little lightheaded because suddenly your body's actually getting that oxygen in and you're allowing it to absorb. <laughs> yeah. And, and you become aware for the first time that maybe during your day, you're not getting in enough yeah. oxygen. You're not breathing correctly. So that, that again, brings us from intellect to consciousness and in terms of breathing. Spend, spending time during the day, a number of times during the day, just doing that, even if you did it, you know, somebody gets a sore throat and they have to take an antibiotic and they have to take it four times a day. They're willing to do that. But this is for free. And if this was a prescription for stress management, it would certainly uh, be worth doing it four times a day to keep with the metaphor of the four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. So <laughs> let's go on to another category here of sleep and sleep management. Mm. Chris- what's that (laughs) yeah exactly so let me ask you a question and how did you sleep last night good how about you how did you sleep like a baby (laughs) so here's one of the interesting things again we've we've talked with andrew bender about the science of sleep and most of us 
Uh, most of us in the Western world always think of things. We're looking to put things into facts and science and categories and compartments and definitions through the scientific part. And what I want to do again today is look at sleep uh, from a different point of view. And when I asked you the question, how did you sleep? That question is asked a lot. You've heard that many times mm -hmm. before. And the word did is a past tense of the word do. And that implies, in a sense, that we have to do sleep. It's something that we need to do. And also, people uh, uh, say, you know, you have a child. Sometimes you might say, go to bed, right? Uh, I don't know if you do that, but I know <laughs> I used to. <laughs> Unorthodox used parenting. To, yeah, you're, you're out of the box parenting. Uh, so it's hard to take that. The leap of faith that you do that. But I know my parents did that. Sometimes they said, time to go to bed, go to sleep. As if sleep were not only something that you do, but a place to go. So uh, there's a book called Zen Sleep by Eric, and I believe his last name is Childs, pronounced Childs, C-H-I-L-E-S. And he talks, he writes a whole book on Zen sleep, a different way of looking at it. And uh, he and other people bring up the concept uh, about what sleep is all about. We know in the science of sleep that sleep is really about chemistry and light. Uh, we're, we're designed as a species to wake up with light and go to sleep in darkness. And we have chemicals in our body that uh, activate us when light hits our brain and that stimulates us through the day. And as it gets darker, other chemicals like melatonin that we, we've spoken about as a supplement, even recently uh, with Tracy Harrison in our nutrition talk, um, we talked about melatonin as a supplement that's produced in the body to uh, create sleep. So we know that sleep has to do with chemistry. And if you leave the chemistry alone, you should sleep well. But what happens is we affect the chemistry in our bodies. And we do this in a number of ways. We either take other chemicals in the way of nutrients or supplements, drinking coffee. Uh, we induce other chemicals in the way of stress and anxiety. Uh, we even, in taking sleepy, sleeping pills, it can interrupt a normal type of sleep. And the environment itself sometimes, we just mentioned the concept of not breathing well, just having not enough oxygen uh, makes it sometimes difficult to sleep. But some of the things that happen is that we have this process that we have to do sleep and go to sleep. And so it's a working process. And, and then we get involved in it. And we've, we now know through the science of sleep that there are actually more chemicals that when we're anxious and stressed out produces chemicals that go to the brain that actually keep us awake. And there are now uh, pharmaceutical companies that are looking at uh, new sleeping medications that are not activated just for sleep, but to prevent those anxiety-producing chemicals to come into the brain and keep people awake. So one of the things that uh, we should do as a process from an Eastern point of view is to not do sleep, but just to allow sleep. Many times people get anxious because they feel that sleep has to do with the loss of control and loss of control has to uh, do with fear. 
And so if you have fear of loss of control, and part of that has to do with sleep, then it's obvious that you're going to have difficulty falling asleep. So in that concept, the idea is to not think about the control, to work uh, with yourself and others, again, through uh, programs sometimes to realize how to deal with the fear, the stress, the anxiety, and the loss of control, and just allow sleep to happen rather than doing it, just let it happen. And he gives an example where he uh, talks about sleep as a river. And it's just this continuous flow. And each night or each day, if you're a night worker, each time when it's time for one to go to sleep is to just start to quiet your mind and move away from the control, move away from the fear stop thinking about things and just allow yourself to come closer to the river, to the banks of the river. And then gradually you get immersed in the river of sleep and chemistry takes over, sleep takes over. And next thing you know, you're asleep and you wake up and then the chemistry starts for waking up. Then you have awakened from a good night's sleep. So you're refreshed. So now you've awakened in time. You've had the perfect morning meal you get to work on time. You finish up your uh, work that you had. Your boss is happy. You're not stressed. You can go go out and exercise that day because you had a great day and you're burning off calories and doing good things for your body. And again, the whole cycle continues. So sleep is incredibly important, but I think uh, sometimes it's good to look at it from a different point of view and not do sleep, just allow sleep. Mm, mm, I like that. And I, I think that's that's where you hit the nail on the button with uh, my child is <laughs> it's not like go to bed no it's w- when you're tired let me know <laughs> and that was it that's why there's no fight or struggle <laughs> right right and it's exactly. amazing it's like oh you're tired now is it a good time to go upstairs <laughs> what would you like to do right now yeah it's <laughs> like okay i can't take any more <laughs> <laughs> I can't take any more of being awake. Okay, well, let's. Uh, what would you like to do then? I want to go to sleep. Okay, good. Oh. <laughs> Very nice. One of the things he also said in his book, and he talks about this, is that think of sleep as an inner invitation to stop doing. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a lovely way to look at it. Yeah, it is, because we spend our day doing, even though we're beings, human beings, uh, we spend our day doing, which is, uh, you know, appropriate. But at at the end of the day, one of the things that we know scientifically, at least about sleep, is that it's a time for rest and restoration and healing. So it is considered, and it should be considered, an inner invitation to stop doing. Mm. Mm. That's a very nice way to look at it, like that. And it really does affect so many things, doesn't it? I mean, if we don't get a good night's sleep, it's like, wow. (laughs) Yeah, that's absolutely right. So I want to, unless you, uh, if you have a concept, if you have a thought for your own process of sleep. Yeah, I I do believe, uh, Glenn, I mean, there was a a time where I didn't need as much sleep, literally. It was like 
five hours, you know, and people would be, my friends would be sleeping 10 hours, you know, it was always amazing to me. Uh, the, the, the energetic person I, I was growing up and all the way really till I had a child, I, I mean, I could bounce around all day and who knew why. Um, but you know, my, my average was five hours and, and it, I felt great. Uh, I could live off of the three, but <laughs> My best shot was the five. And uh, and as time has gone on, it has shifted. It has really shifted to like, you know, a good seven, seven and a half hours of sleep now. Um, And uh, I do know if I oversleep, I do get a headache as well. So I I think for every individual, you sort of find find that place that works for you and be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think that you just you just said it right there. Uh, be honest, because if you say a person who likes to say, "Oh, I only need two hours of sleep mm-hmm. a night," and then you watch them during the day, they're either drinking twelve cups of coffee, or they're nodding out, or they're yawning, or they're dreaming about bed. Then they don't really need two hours of sleep a night. Everyone needs to sleep, mm-hmm. or. Most everyone needs to sleep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what do you think um, on this topic? What do you think about what a lot of European countries do, where they have a siesta in the middle of the day? Well, we talk about that, and I think that for me, I like the concept of shutting down during the day, but I don't necessarily like the idea of sleeping during the day unless you find that you really need it. I mm-hmm. think that. Sleep should be at night. So my first preference is always to have sleep at night. But I also think that it is not a bad idea to uh, take a nap every once in a while if you really need one. But I do, instead of really using this siesta as a time to sleep, because that may affect your wake-sleep schedule. If you find that you take that siesta and then when it's time to go to bed, you're up again and you're up later and it changes your whole circadian rhythm around. Remember, Dr. Binder uh, talked to us and said the most important part of the cycle of sleep is to make sure you wake up at the same time, not necessarily go to sleep at the same time, although that certainly helps, but waking up at the same time. So Mm -hmm. if you take that siesta and then you find yourself uh, not able to sleep at night, and you either have to sleep later, which, which messes up the circadian rhythm, or you sleep at that time and uh, it it causes you to uh, be tired during the day, then that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So I would say use that siesta time for your meditation. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be much more helpful. But if you do need it and you can take that siesta and then get your night's sleep and that feels okay, and that's what works for you, I, I am not against that. Mm-hmm. I am for that. Anything that, uh, again, works toward optimal health, I'm in favor of. Mm. But I don't think in general everybody should be looking for an afternoon nap. You should technically be able to get the right amount of sleep at night that keeps you going throughout the day. Mm. Good point. So let's move to a very interesting topic. Uh, We've talked about nutrition, exercise, sleep management, and stress management. We have two more, and this one is called spirit. And for me, spirit has to do with putting yourself into the universe in a proper place, realizing you're part of a bigger picture. Uh, It's about grounding. It's about centering. Uh, It can be through a religious spirit. It can be through a philosophical spirit. It can be through a nature spirit. Uh, Whatever helps to ground and center you and 
to give you the best understanding that you're part of a bigger system and what you do affects others and what others do has the ability to affect you. Uh, that's, that's what I talked about spirit. And I like to, again, go back to, uh, Japanese and I'm going to use a word and please, uh, I apologize to all of my Japanese uh, friends, I may not be using the word correctly, but they use a word word called ikigai, I-K-I-G-A-I. And it, it would be the equivalent in French of raison d'etre, uh, a reason for being or a reason to wake up. Uh, they call it ikigai, and they say that which gives life a sense of purpose. It takes the form of caring for another life. And this could even mean gardening. For example, taking care of plants or taking care of a pet or anything else. And so this is what I want to bring up today in terms of a a tip for spirit to look for something that makes you have a reason for life and gives purpose other than you to care for something else. And by caring for something else, number one, it clearly takes your attention off yourself, especially, you know, if you're stressing out or anxious about something, you have a loved one that's sick or you're, you're having a problem in your job. Sometimes uh, the process of finding solutions or getting through something when you're stressed out and all the chemicals of the stress hormones and the anxiety hormones and chemicals are messing with your mind that's not the best time to make a decision, nor is it the best way to make a decision. So if you take at least a minute or a few minutes out of every day and be thankful for something around you uh, and smile, do that inner heart smile. Again, we're trying to combine a number of things and practice the ikigai way of philosophy, then um, that's my tip. But people in Okinawa who um, have one of the longest life expectancies uh, on the planet, all pra- practice this, the ikigai uh, way of living. Uh, they have a number of other things that they do. They eat properly, uh, small amounts. They exercise, and exercise in their minds is not necessarily weightlifting or kayaking. It could be dancing or uh, you know, just jumping around and having a good time with people. And the last thing that they do, or the fourth thing that they do, is um, to make sure they're surrounded by like-minded people that enjoy life and are also practicing ikigai. Mm. So that would be my spirit uh, hit for today. Mm. <laughs> the spirit hit for the <laughs> hit or hint. Yeah, no, that that's lovely. That's really lovely. And um, yeah, con- connecting and being. I think it's it's about taking the moment to to really become aware, aware of of oneself and and to really honor and give ourselves that time, um, even if it's uh, five minutes, just to reconnect us, reconnect us to who we are and and where we are, and you don't even have to think of a thing. And it's back to the breathing and meditation. Um, and meditation can, you know, a lot of people who I feel are maybe of 
of some, you know, religious um, body or anything like that. You know, I was brought up Roman Catholic and, um, you know, we had prayer, of course. (laughs) And then as time went on, you know, just uh, dabbling in Zen Buddhism and the different forms of Buddhism and, and really learning so much. But all in all, it really comes down to the time that we spend for ourselves and nurture ourselves. And as I say, even if you start with three minutes and then to the five minutes and, and just that time to just be, just be. And it's not easy for a lot of people, especially in the world today. I find, um, Glenn, it's, you know, it's faster and faster paced with the electronics and, you know, the phones do everything for us and keeping our, our grocery lists. And, Oh, I just thought of something and you're popping it down. And, you know, even if you need to set a timer, <laughs> oh, that's right. you know, for the first few times, just so that, you know, it's like an exercise. It's like any exercise, but guess what? No televisions. Um, if you need to start off with some soft music in the back, just a moment for yourself, just to hold yeah, that in. I agree with that. And I also, in this particular case, Part of that process to is to get into yourself and award yourself and reward yourself and honor yourself. But sometimes in that process also at that time is to put your caring towards something or someone else. Go start to learn bonsai, have a hobby, uh, grow some mm-hmm. uh, vegetables or flowers and tend to them and care for them. I know that when I'm raking out in my Zen garden or I'm working with my bonsai or watering my plants, uh, I start having conversations, you know, and I just feel good out there. It's a relaxing time and I'm making sure they're okay. And I find what happens is that my mind, which is uh, the part of the process that usually gets us frustrated or we're thinking about things, our our monkey minds, our reptile minds, uh, whatever we call them, Sometimes once I start thinking about this plant or this tree or this flower, I'm not thinking about myself anymore. And that becomes even more relaxing for a moment. Mm-hmm. And it and it connects me into spirit. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yes. I mean, even as they say, a lot of the the gurus, uh, yoga gurus even say, they they say, you know, yoga is not just the physical asanas that you would learn in a yoga studio or anything like that, but it is in life. And it is what we do in life. And it is all about meditation. And mm-hmm. whether it be watering or clipping the bonsai or watering the garden or, or you know, crocheting or knitting, anything like that. It's, it's to take the focus to another direction. Do it mindfully. And speaking of that, uh, I'd like to go into the last one, which is patterns of behavior. So we've talked about nutrition, exercise, stress management, sleep management, and spirit. And the final one of the six is patterns of behavior. And remember at the beginning, I spoke about taking things from intellect. And what we want to do is evolve ourselves into consciousness So my suggestion in patterns of behavior and a way of essentially putting evolution into action is to look through each of these aspects and find some pattern that you're doing that's causing you not to eat correctly, not to go and exercise, not to meditate. Find something that is causing uh, a pattern of behavior and recognize it. 
and then look for options of ways of changing it, changing it. And then you have to choose to change it. Mm. Then you take action and actually change the pattern. And you at some point have to go back and reevaluate to make sure that you didn't fall back into an old pattern. So in uh, going through each of these different aspects, look at them from a point of view, especially if you're trying to choose a new healthier pattern, look at a way of doing it that will include body, mind, and spirit. And that will be putting evolution into action as you move uh, more quickly into optimal health. Mm. Those patterns of behavior. Patterns of behavior. <laughs> you know, we're, we're all about patterns, yes. and we're all about patterns of behavior. We have physiological patterns, which we talk about. The heart beats at a certain rate. We breathe at a certain rate. Our waking and sleeping cycles, those are physiological patterns. But we have patterns of behavior, how we put our clothes on each day, how we put makeup on, how we take a shower, brush our teeth, start the car, uh, dating, you know, finding uh, a date, meeting people, dealing with a boss, uh, taking on a, a subject or a task. All of these mm -hmm. things are about patterns of behavior. So if you're not doing all the things as you go through these uh, areas that we've talked about today and you're saying, yes, I know I should be eating better. When you're saying that, that's a pattern of behavior. And so, <laughs> and that's an, that's an intellect that you learned from somewhere, that pattern of behavior you learned from somewhere. So, you know, you should be changing it. And now you have to take it to consciousness and make it part of your life. And by doing that, and by doing all six of these things and being constantly aware of them to the point where when it becomes consciousness, it, it becomes easier. It becomes part of the lifestyle, and it's easier in times of health, but it's also a really excellent tool in times of illness and injury where you're hoping to recover. Mm, good point. Mm -hmm. Very good point. Yeah, I work with people a lot that, that are critically ill or critically injured, but they, they are at that point where there may be a chance that they can survive. <laughs> but that survival, certainly a number of conditions have to occur. You've mm -hmm. got doctors and nurses and many healthcare professionals uh, working for you, but ultimately it comes to the, to the energy and spirit of the person themselves. They, they're an important part of it. And if they lose their spirit or they don't have enough spirit to move through the process and work in the healing, then the possibility is that uh, one will not heal mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or get better. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's patterns of behavior and, you know, you, and you can change them. And uh, individuals, you can change them no matter how old you are. <laughs> you, we, you can teach an old dog new tricks, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Because uh, I hear that a lot. That's a pattern of behavior. You got each dog. <laughs> right. Like, All of those things are patterns. Ah, speaking of... It, it's uh, interesting because I was going to jump in and say I was pulling out some old stuff. I'm cleaning house and I found these little business cards and I used to take people's business cards. Sorry to the people whose cards I was using. And I just flipped them over and I'd use the backside. And I had this little 
thing that I would do where I'd write down, like, this is something I'm going to commit to. Cause I heard this saying, you know, you can, um, concrete takes 21 days to solidify and so does a, a new pattern or so does a new habit. Mm. Um, and so I would take these business cards and I'd write down a decree or like, this is what I'm you know going towards, whether it's reading 20 minutes a day or whatever I was interested in achieving. And then I, I just, you know, draw a little diagram of boxes with 21 days on it, just with a line and a bunch of ticks. And then every day I'd carry it in my wallet and every day, or I'd keep it on my desk and I'd check off or I'd fill in the box. And I found all these old cards from like 2001, 2003. And I was looking through all these patterns that I had set up from back then. And I'm looking now at my life, you know, 10, 15 years later. And it's like, oh, hey, look at this. I can, I can see I do that now or, oh, I failed miserably. And even when I was trying to set the pattern, I was very, you know, inaccurate in, in keeping it consistent. But the ones that I was able to get done, I actually have and have held true to 10 years later. That's, that's great. That's a great story. And, and it's true. It's not easy to do. And any technique that you have that is successful uh, is great and should be shared with other people. You know, changing a pattern, uh, it's not easy because our bodies are geared toward patterns and patterns make things simple for us. Our mind doesn't have to think of too many things. So uh, I like that as an idea. Uh, so what do you do with the cards? You got rid of all of them? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't need to hold on to those anymore. Right. He was done. <laughs> uh, oh, it's good. Completion. And it's good to, like I said, at the end of it, you have to reevaluate because most of us, unless it, we came up with a really good pattern and we're really strong within spirit and uh, body and mind, we may revert back to an older pattern. And so it's very important to reassess and reevaluate when you do make a change and it should make you feel good. It, it is moving you, uh, toward optimal health. There, there are actually a number of like different apps you can find for whether it's iPhone, Android, any, any, you know, phone out there you can download. Um, I used one to great credit and success for the last, I guess, five or six years since the iPhone first came out. I think it's called water your body. And it, I had to train myself to the pattern, the addictive behavior of using the app and just putting it on the home screen right there next to the most important apps that I load every single day. And when you drink a glass of water, you put down on like a virtual table within the app. You just throw down like, oh, I've drank in, I've, I've had a eight ounce glass or a 10 ounce glass or, you know, a six ounce glass. And you can measure your water intake. And when I'm paying attention to that, I'm able to drink my full, you know, based on my weight and calculation and everything i'm able to drink my full allotment of water as soon as i don't use the app guess what my water intake goes down to like one or two glasses a day so it's almost like you need to set up the patterns of behavior that help you to you know if you're a statistical analytical guy like me to track them um, or the mindfulness if you know it's a matter of setting the routine to do things in a certain way in the morning or in the evening before you do your other routines that come naturally like brushing your teeth or showering or whatever that's a great. Uh, that's really a great tip. I I really like that. Uh, so one of the questions I would have for you, uh, in order to solidify a new pattern of behavior, were you able to analyze as as a analytical type person? Were you able to say that when I had my right amount of water, I felt better, or I felt worse, or I saw no difference, or what was your analysis? I probably went to the bathroom a lot more. <laughs> 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 but, 
But actually, you know, I called the good cleanse. I've kept it up like for six or seven months straight, and then I'll fall off the bandwagon, and then uh, you know I'll be cleaning out my phone, and I'll look at it, I'm like, oh, there's that app that I forgot to use for the past four months. (laughs) You know, let's get it back out, and I can go right back into that habit. You know, but I on the water thing, you know, after you get through the first few weeks of drinking your body's allotment of water, you, you kind of stop needing to run to the bathroom every half an hour. Your body learn, your bladder learns the uh, mechanism of maintaining and considering our bodies are what 80% water anyway. So, mm-hmm. and we, we got, we actually have a comment from Jennifer here. Uh, make it a point of stepping onto your mat every day, whether it's for an hour and, and a half of rigorous practice or 20 minutes of restorative yoga or meditation and if you can't get on your mat stick your mat in front of the front door and then at least you'll be on it every day (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that jennifer and segovia Uh, well i would i would like to uh thank our very special guest today uh (laughs) myself and i would like to actually thank uh, jennifer and segovia for for being guests today on our usual medical magical medical tour uh, I would like to thank all of my healers and teachers that have allowed me to uh, go on my journey and do the things that I do. Certainly, thank you, Yoga Hub and Christina and all the people there. And I am going to say goodbye now and wishing all of you optimal health. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Glenn Woolman, for a fun time rummaging around in your medical bag. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hopefully um, many of you will see how easy it is to to just begin to create the balance. And, uh, you know, we look forward to any comments or suggestions that you might have as well that might work, things that might have worked for you or things that you're trying right now. We'd love to hear the results. And of course, we would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us in this new platform of education and information. We're always grateful for your continuous support and look forward to hearing your feedback on how we can serve you better. We invite you to join us live on Tuesdays for Magical Medical Tour at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, Wednesdays for Trinity of Life at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, followed every other week with Flowing into Awareness with Anatara. And you can, of course, connect with Dr. Glenn Woolman by following him on Twitter at Glenn Woolman, and of course, through his own website, glennwoolman.com, where you can further learn about his metaphor square breath. We are always grateful for your feedback and your support. Please give us a call at 818-LET'S-TALK. 818-LET'S-TALK. Until next time, namaste. YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. Come join Dr. Glenn Woolman and Christina Suzuma as they journey through the healthcare galaxy interviewing doctors, healthcare practitioners in the attempt to share ways to achieve optimal health. Join us on yogahub.tv every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern.